Well, thank you to our praise team, and thank you all for being here today. It was pretty cold this morning, and a lot of us have gotten spoiled sleeping in a little bit, so you may be going, hmm, I don't know if I wanted to be there this morning, but you're here, so we're glad, and see some new faces. If you're here for the first time, we certainly want to welcome you, and thank you for um, worshiping with us, and during the Christmas Advent season, we have been meeting together for just one service over the last three weeks. Normally, we have a service at 9.30, and then we have one at 11, but during the holidays, we have met together, and it's been good to be together. Do y'all agree? You know, we had a little bit of each other's music, right? And uh, y'all have been very patient and flexible, and we appreciate that, and it's been fun to be together, but next week, we'll start back on our two services, and Sunday school will be again. But if you're here for the first time, we would certainly like to know more about you. And we have a connection corner that's right out these doors to the right. So if you would, after the service, if you'd like more uh, information about the church, we have some great folks in there that can get that to you. And then also you can give us your information so you can be on some of our list to get some information about church. So we're glad you're here. And also, on the fifth Sunday at Southwest, we are blessed to have our elementary school kids with us today. They're not in their normal um, back there in the children's area. So if y'all are here today, just throw your hand up today. Let's see all our elementary school kids. All right, we've got several in here today. We are glad you are with us, absolutely. All right. So you adults stay awake and be on your best behavior, all right? Because they're watching. They're watching how we do worship and how we do things in big church. Well, some of y'all may remember that last year, and if you haven't been here, that's okay, but last year in 2022, I started a sermon series that was called One Day or Day One, and we talked about things like as we get to the first of the year, our New Year's resolutions, and is it going to be day one of me doing this, or is it going to be just me talk about going, well, one day I'm going to, how's it going to be? So as we went through that, we actually went through the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Mark. And part of learning about the life and teaching of Jesus in that series was challenging ourselves to do something new in our lives as a follower of Jesus. And we could simply talk about it, like I said, as well, one day I'm going to do this new practice or this action or this discipline. Or we could actually start day one of a new practice of a new action or a new discipline in our lives. Now, some of you, like I said, may remember that. Some of it was, uh, was uh, y'all were very encouraging to me. Say, hey, that was really neat. That's really kind of struck a chord with me. It was a real challenge to me. And others may not have been there for that series or maybe just started coming today or later in the year. But either way, we're leaving this Advent Christmas season that we've all been in where we've hopefully spent some time reflecting on how and why Jesus Christ came into the world. How Jesus came into was very humbly, very different than you would think the Savior or the Messiah of the world would come into the world. But also, wow, why was it so important for Jesus to come in the world? So hopefully you spent some time during this season reflecting on that. And as part of that reflection, you probably have, or we should have, looked at our own lives. Because guess what? We came into the world as a baby too, didn't we? We came into the world as a baby. We've grown up since day one, and we've moved forward. All of us here today are in different decades or seasons of our life. Whether you're in elementary school here this morning, and you're in the first decade of your life, or whether you're um, in high school, college, just starting your career and family, or maybe you're well into your career or family, or maybe you're 
in the uh, end of your working career or in the retirement phase of your life, wherever you are, looking back in our lives is always important in order to move forward, isn't it? I need to look back. So today I want us to kind of think about where we've been in 2022, and it's different for all of us. Some of us have been through some rough years, haven't we? Somebody, some of us have been through some great years, and you have a lot of things to be thankful for. But as you look back, you want to look forward. What did I learn last year? How can I be a better person this year? How can I be a better follower of Jesus? So reflecting on last year, how did you do with that one day, day one challenge? And if I ask all of you this morning to list the top three things that you're most satisfied that you accomplished last year, what would be on your list? That's kind of tough, isn't it? Three things that you accomplished last year, what would be on your list that you were most thankful for that you accomplished? And then what about writing down three things that I said I was going to accomplish, but I didn't? And maybe answer the question, why? Why did those three things that I wanted to do last year, why did I not do them? What happened? What was the reason why? And maybe those are things I can accomplish this year. Now, this is not about being nosy. This is not about judging people or making people feel guilty on the, you know, the first of the year. But it's just simply realizing that you know some accomplished maybe more than others last year. But everybody didn't have the same year that everybody else had. And it's simply healthy, I believe, to reflect constantly on our lives, looking back to move forward. And if we don't take the time to do that, we fail, I think, to learn some valuable lessons. And one of the values of reading the Bible on a daily basis in our lives is hearing about how others in history lived, how they lived their lives in relationship to God, their Creator, and the Savior of the world. How did they spend time with God? in their schedules, and their seasons? How did they value and practice God's commands in the way they lived and the way they interacted with others? Did they take time to reflect on their relationship with God and others? And the more I read the Bible, I see that they did. You think about somebody like David. How many of us, most of us know about the Psalms right in the middle of the Bible? And it's Psalms, y'all. When I was your age, elementary school kids, for years I said, Psalms. You know, and I learned that that was not right. You know, somebody in Sunday school helped me learn that. It was not Psalms, it's Psalms. But David reflected a lot, didn't he? David reflected a lot about his life as a shepherd boy, all the way to being probably the most powerful king in the world at the time. He constantly reflected on his life and looked back to move forward to where God wanted him to be. So in reading about others in the Bible, we usually identify with others in those stories. We eventually read about a situation and you go, I can identify with that story. I can identify with that person in the story because that's similar to something that's happened in my life. And the Bible has a powerful way of taking those situations that are like ours and getting us to reflect on our own lives and our relationship with God. So I want to challenge everybody in the new year to find a way to read your Bible daily. And I'm telling you, there's never been a time in history where that's more available to you. It's so many resources out there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? There's Bible apps, there's, there's blogs, there's studies, there's YouTube videos. I could go on and on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So there's just, it's simply, you can even set alarms on your phone to tell you, time to read your Bible, you know? There's really no excuse for us to do that, and it's so valuable. So I want to encourage y'all to do that this year. Um, 
there are, um, what I want us to do today is I want us to look at a passage from a, a book that you probably don't read a lot, Deuteronomy. Does everybody read that one a lot? It's one of the first five books of the Bible, and you know, you're like, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how to pronounce it, much less spell it or read it. But we're going to look at the sixth chapter, and in this chapter, in this whole book of Deuteronomy, um, and in the previous chapters of what we're going to read in the chapters after this, there's a guy named Moses. And Moses was the guy that God said, hey, I want you to take my people who were in bondage in Egypt and I want you to move them out of that slavery, of that bondage, and I want them to become this nation that I promised way back to Father Abraham. And Moses is going to lead them. And Moses hem-hawed around and he didn't really want to do it, but God called him specifically and, and finally he was the guy. So in this passage we're going to look at today and the ones before and the ones after, it's about Moses... And they traveled, they wandered, they navigated, do you realize, for 40 years in the desert before they actually took possession of this promised land that God had promised them. He challenged the people of Israel, Moses in the passage we're going to read, he's going, you got to look back on what's happened to us in the last 40 years because all this stuff that's happened in the last 40 years has brought us to this point of taking possession of this land. And we've learned a lot. If you read all that journey, it's, it's amazing. There was a lot of complaining. A lot of people died. A lot of kids were born during that 40-year journey. And all of a sudden, they're about to move into this promised land that they've been wandering around for 40 years that God has promised. And Moses is saying, you got to look back to look forward. It's so important to do that. So we're going to read Deuteronomy 6. It's going to be up on the screen, or you can follow on your Bibles or in your on your phones, however, and so kind of lengthy, but I want you to listen carefully as, as what Moses is trying to emphasize to the people here. He says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And this is a very, very, very famous line in the Bible, and the Israeli people continue to say this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you 
from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did in Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees He has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these stipulations and decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were the slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord has brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and fear the Lord our God so that we might prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful, listen carefully to this last line, and if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Now we're going to go back to that in a little bit, but I know that was a lot. But what do you see in that chapter that Moses and the people of Israel learned from. He's going back and saying, remember, he, he makes reference to, remember what happened at Massa? Remember how we've been wandering? Remember where we were to where we are 40 years later? A lot has happened in those 40 years, and y'all remember that. But it's important for us to realize that Moses was speaking to a group that left Egypt as slaves 40 years prior. A lot of them died along the way, so there's a lot of younger people, there's still some of the veterans that were there, but, but mostly it's a newer group that's been born along those 40 years. And many had been, uh, like I said, had been born, and they are about to reach this destination that they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years to reach. Now, do y'all realize this? Some of you may have heard this, but it still boggles my mind when I hear it. The actual distance from Egypt to the promised land they were going to take possession of should have only taken 11 days. Did you hear that? It should have taken 11 days. Well, what the heck happened? How did you go on that many detours for 40 years? How did that happen? Well, the bottom line was, and there's too many you know, reasons to, to go into all the answers, they weren't ready. They were not ready to take possession. Yeah, the land God was going to give them, and he picked the people, and he picked the leader, but they weren't ready to take possession after 11 days. Think about this for a minute. This is a million or more people that have been in slavery for over 400 years. Now think about it. After, a la after all those years of living in slavery, and that's ingrained in your head as this is how we live, this is how we do things, all of a sudden, a million people have freedom, and after 11 days, let's just turn them loose in a free land. Does that sound like a good plan? Sounds like chaos to me, what a lot of us have been through during Christmas, right? So when you think about it, it's easy to go, yeah, that probably wasn't a good idea to turn a million people who have been in captivity loose in a new land. How do they do that? It's like people who... You know, God knew this. God knew they needed maturing. God knew that they needed laws and regulations. They needed to weed out some folks. God knew they needed time to grieve their old life and their old home and move into a new life. That's a grieving process. God knew they needed time to recognize they needed Him. 
He had been silent for a while in their slavery, but now he says, no, you're moving forward. And they needed time to learn to rely on him. And God knew they uh, needed time and experiences to gain that, win- that insight into taking over and possessing this land that he'd given them. It's like a person who's grown up poor their whole life. Their grandparents were poor. Their parents were poor. They were poor. And all of a sudden, they hit the jackpot in the lottery, and they win all this money. And we've read, there's been books written about the people who win the lottery, and what happens to most of them? I know, some of you are saying, they go bankrupt. That's exactly right. Because all of a sudden, you were this, and you're faced with this. It's so different, and you need some sort of a time, and, and, and a person that would do that would need to have some insight, some financial discipline to handle that kind of wealth, some coaching, some guidelines, to some experienced and wise people that can say, hey, hold on a second, like the athlete or the musician who all of a sudden grew up poor, but all of a sudden they hit the charts or they hit the big time, they made it to the show and they've got all this money. How do you how do, you do that? It was the same kind of thing with Israel going into this promised land. So I find it interesting here that Moses emphasized These commands that through the 40 years he's been working on all these commands and these decrees and laws. And he says, you have to observe them moving into this new land. Keep them, live by them, obey them. The same God who rescued them from their slavery and bondage is the same God who says, you know what? You need some stability. You need some order. You need some organization because there's a million of you. And so Moses, God's been using Moses through this whole time to make these rules and regulations so that when they do occupy, they have some order. And as we see and hear those words, now, I don't know about y'all, but when we hear commands, decrees, laws, we may be thinking, "Ah, that just seems so legalistic and strict and impersonal. But then Moses, as you heard in the text, he said in this same text, he told the people, love, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, soul, and strength. They understood love. Love is about relationship. This is a personal aspect. This is a relational aspect. And God's saying, yeah, there's rules. Yeah, there's guidelines. Yeah, there's things you need to follow. But it needs to be within the context of God that loves you. That's why if he loves you, he disciplines you. If he loves you, he gives you boundaries. He gives you guidelines because you need that. And how many times have we had this conversation with our kids? Kids don't answer that. Okay? We said, I'm giving you these rules because I don't want you to make the same mistakes I did. I don't want you to get hurt. I want the best for you. So you need to listen to what I say. I've just had one of these lectures recently. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But God's saying the same thing. You need to understand this land that you didn't grow, that you did all this stuff you're getting ready to take. You didn't do any of this. It's been given to you. And you need to have some rules and commands and guidelines. So there's this personal aspect that God wants them to have it, but he wants them to have it with some guidelines to help them be the best that they can be in this new. And he says, I want you to reflect to the rest of the world. If I call you my people, I want my people to reflect to the rest of the world who I am and the character I have as God. And if you don't have those rules and regulations, you're not going to reflect to the rest of the world who I am. And as the creator, he knows what we need. He knows our weaknesses. He knows who we were be cre- created to be. But he also knows we need help with that. We can't do it in our own human wisdom. And so Moses stressed the importance of these laws and commands for the current generation, but also that it would be passed on to future generations. Impress them on your children. When you impress something on your children, it's active 
isn't it? It's, you have to actively do it. You have to intentionally do it. So he talks about, talk about them at home, when you're on the road, along the right way, when you get up, when you sleep. Again, this is actively and intentionally letting your kids know about God's Word and who He is. Tie them as symbols on yourselves, actively again and intentionally. And there were things they did. They put these things over their heads and on their wrists, and it was a reminder. When they went in their doors, it was on the door frames. When they went in the gate, when you were coming and going every day through the doors, through the gates, you were reminded of the God and those rules that God gave you for your best. So you see what Moses was doing there. And you realize Moses was not going with them. Does everybody realize that? Some of y'all probably don't. Moses didn't get to go to the promised land. And I still, when I get to pull my chair up next to God in heaven, I'm going to say, that just didn't seem fair that Moses didn't get to go. Don't y'all agree with me? It's like he had to listen to that whining and complaining for 40 years, and he didn't get to go in. But he's saying, I know that. He already knows he's not going. But he's saying it's so important for you to realize this opportunity you have to not only possess this land, but to reflect who God is. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Keep your relationship strong with God. So he emphasizes, don't forget. Don't forget your ancestors. And he mentions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You were given this land, but you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't build it. You didn't grow it. It's a gift from God. Always keep that in mind. Don't get cocky, he's saying. God, your father, who brought you out of slavery, don't forget him. Don't forget to serve and follow the Lord God only. Don't follow the gods of those around you because it's going to be a temptation. And guess what? What did they get in trouble with? They always got in trouble with the temptation of these gods from their neighbors. But then Moses gives them this vision to think about for the future, especially those who are young and have grown up while wandering. And maybe they're like some of you elementary school kids here this morning. They're like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, and they're going, we're getting ready to go into this. We've been brought up wandering And now we're going to go to this place and we're going to have our own house. No more wandering. And they're excited about that. And Moses says, these are the ones you got to impress this on. And he says, in the future, when you have kids and they ask, what is the meaning of these stipulation, decrees, and laws the Lord ours command you? And he says, you need to tell them. We used to be slaves. We were in bondage, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with this mighty hand. And and before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders. He's saying, you've got to tell your kids about these things. They don't need to ever forget this. You need to remind them. You've got to impress it upon them. He brought us out from there and to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. And the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as the case today. So he's going to think about it. Now, some of you today who don't have kids, you're too young to have kids, think about one day, and all of us need to think about that for a minute. What are you going to say to your kids one day when they say, you bring them to church for the first time, and they're going to say, what was the meaning of that? Why, why, why did you bring me into that building with all those other people? Why did we sing songs to God? Why did we read that thing called the Bible? Why did we pray? Why did we do all that stuff? Why, why does the church do missions? What, what's the deal with all of that? You need to have an answer for that because they are going to ask you, aren't they? Because it's going to be a first time for you. And some of you elementary school kids sitting there, guess what? You're going to have kids one day. And they're going to ask you, what's the deal with Jesus? What's the deal with the Bible? What's the deal with church? And you're going to be the one that has to impress upon them what it is. And you need to know where you've been to be able to move them forward. Is that not true? 
It's so important for us to realize that. So what are you going to say? What's the meaning of church community? What's the meaning of this following Jesus and his teachings? We need to have answers for that. So what are we going to say? What will our answer be when kids from the future ask us about this? Will the church even still be here? I'm confident it will be here. Because Jesus says the gates of Hades, what, will not prevail against his church. But I want to be a part of teaching my kids and the next generation of how important it is to know that. But I want us to look at something. And, and, and you have made it to another year to answer that question. Are you stronger? Are you more? Is your faith stronger in your belief about the church and Jesus Christ and your relationship with him? Last year, will you have an impact on how you live this year? Will you have an impact? How will this year show your generation and future generations of what the meaning of this church thing is? Is this faith in God, how is that going to show others in your generation and future generations? And I want to notice again, I'll go back to that very last verse. Did you notice that Moses said this? And if we are careful to obey all this law, and there was a lot Go before this, before Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It's all the laws. And it's just, I mean, it's crazy stuff. You know, everything had a law. If you are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that, that will be our righteousness, that we've obeyed all that. And then another version, the New Living Translation, which I like to read on a daily basis, says, For we will all be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. Have y'all figured that that's impossible yet? It was impossible for them. It's impossible for us. If we can obey all this law, that would be our righteousness. We would be righteous before God. But none of the Israelites could do that. No one in history has been able to do that. We will be counted righteousness if we obey all the commands. The spoiler alert is they couldn't do it, and they weren't righteous before God because they couldn't keep all the laws. And guess what? We can't keep it either, can we? We're going to fail at some point, and that's why they needed Jesus. And so coming off of Christmas and and Advent, we realized that Jesus came into the world because we couldn't do that. We couldn't become that righteous person. We just can't do it. And we needed Jesus to come and be our righteousness, and he took our place. So now there's a new covenant. That old covenant was a great idea, but God knew from the very beginning. It wasn't like, oh, now what am I going to do because they can't keep the laws? No, he knew he was going to come to earth. He knew that. And so he made a new covenant. And it's not about laws. It's not about decrees or commandments or guidelines to keep, although those are still important in our lives. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And to follow me and my teachings, that's how you will be righteous because I have made you righteous by my death and resurrection. What if we were all able at this time next year, let's fast forward a whole year to January 1st, a year and one day, January 1st, 2025. That still seems weird saying 2020-something, doesn't it to y'all? I mean, it just seems weird. I remember when 2000 came and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, now we're 25 years into it. But what if we were all able to look back on January 1st, 2025 and be able to explain to someone who asked us, why did you live the way you lived in 2024? There was a difference in your life in 2024. I saw things in your life in 2024 that I didn't see in 2023 and some 
absence of things that used to happen in 2023 that weren't there anymore. What was that about? What would you say to somebody? Wouldn't it be great if someone asked you that and saw a marked difference in your life and in my life in this next year, that we were authentically trying to follow follow Jesus, and we told them that. I'm just trying to follow Jesus in every aspect of my life. And so, see, that's what part of the new covenant is, is that I'm trying to follow Jesus in every aspect of my life. Every aspect of my life. Do you all hear that? Every aspect. Not just, okay, we come on Sunday and this is an aspect of our faith in, in God. No. How do I deal with my money? How do I treat my spouse and my kids and the lady at the checkout? How am I going to treat the person that's serving my meal and screws up the order today? How am I going to treat them? How do I follow Jesus in every aspect of my life? And man, that's hard, isn't it? It's hard, but we can do that if we really understand that Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us in our daily lives. But I want us to really think about as we go into 2024, as we authentically try to follow Jesus in every aspect of our lives. And we do that because we realize, like Moses was telling the people in Israel, you were really once slaves. You realize that we're, we're slaves. We were once slaves, and without Jesus, we're still slaves. But we're no longer slaves. He's given us freedom, and we need to use that freedom to be the people he's created us to be. And we can do that, and I hope we'll do that in the new year. So I'm going to offer an invitation, as we always do. Every Sunday we offer an invitation. And some of you may be going, hey, they forgot communion today. No, we didn't. We're just going to do it in just a minute. But we're going to offer an invitation. And maybe there's somebody here today who has looked back and realizes some of the things in your past have been a struggle. And you have been enslaved in some of those things. And realizing to move forward and to move into the future, you want to leave those old past things behind and be set free to a new life through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not following like, oh, I'm gonna, this year I'm finally going to follow all the rules. No, it's not about that. It's about accepting Jesus into your life and allowing him to live through you. So maybe there's somebody here today that needs to make that decision. Or maybe you're looking for a church home because we are not a perfect church. We have flaws. We can't keep all the rules either, but we keep Jesus in the forefront of who we follow, and we try to continue to encourage each other and, and, and spur one another on to following Jesus in every aspect of our life. So I'm going to ask the, the praise team to come up, and they're going to sing a song for us. And if you have a decision to make, I'll be right here to try to walk you through that. And after we sing this song, we're going to take communion together. Um, in our second service, we usually take it right after the sermon, so it's going to be a little different for some of y'all. But if you're here today and you're not used to taking communion, that's okay. But we offer that to anybody that's a believer. If you'd like to participate, you don't have to be a member of our church. But we are going to reflect on that relational part of, of what God asked us to. He asked us the, the night before he dies, hey, don't forget ever what, how much I love you, what I did so that you could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins and leave that life of slavery. So we're going to do that together and we'll walk you through that in just a minute. But I'm going to ask you to stand if you're comfortable standing and we're going to sing this song and prepare our hearts for communion right now.